1: Hello and welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show from Eurosport, with you throughout the 2018 Vuelta. I'm Bradley Wiggins.
2: And I'm Adam Blythe. And I'm Adam Green. And coming up today, we'll be reviewing all the past week's action in Spain, discussing Mark Cavendish's illness and taking a look at the Tour of Britain. Right, let's kick things off. Hello, Brad, how are you? Yes, good, thank you. And Adam here with us as well. Welcome, Adam. Um, hey, thanks for having me. Now, you ride for Aqua Blue Sport, who of course appeared in last year's Vuelta, but last week we heard the news that Aqua Blue will be folding at the end of the season. The team was started with so much goodwill, so what's happened?
0: I don't know, to be honest, I know as much as you do in the press, it's just gone to crap, basically. That's it, it's just done. The owners pulled out of the uh, the team and just ended it, so... That's it, no more race for the end of season. He's going to keep saying it, paying us, so he says. So, fingers crossed, we'll get that money and then that's it,
2: done. C- can you pinpoint anything that's that's led to this, do you think?
0: Uh, probably 3T bikes, to be honest. I think they make good handlebars, but terrible bikes. We've been on one chainring all year, haven't we, so terrible you can't
2: race round you'll know more what a great advert for the bike <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's wrong with it then because you know us mere mortals they look just nice, like they? sitting they look on a bike nice, yeah. Yeah. it's just like yeah. a
0: track bike though it's just a track bike with gears on it there's only one chain ring so you imagine if you're doing a climb normally you'd have like a 38 ring to drop down to but now you've just like a 10 cassette that goes up to a 42 with a 50 ring on the front so you're knackered. You can't race around, like, in a one-day race, never mind two-week races or a week races on it. So, so,
2: Did you climb on those bikes and think oh, straight away you know that something's oh, yes. not so right? Day
0: one, I was like, this is not a good idea. But the team signed up to a contract with it, and that was it, so we had to deal with it.
2: With everything that's happened, how does it leave you feeling? You know, this is uh, your day day in, day out, isn't it?
0: Yeah, the main thing is just getting paid, you know. You've got family to look after and all that now, so it's um, the main thing is I just get paid, and I'm happy to be off that bike, to be honest. It's... Yeah, behind me.
2: So, what happens next? What do you do from now until the <coughs> next uh, big thing in your life? I've just got to try and
0: keep training. If I stop now, I think I'm. it's a long off season, four or five months of off season, it's a long time. So, I'm just going to keep trying to ride my bike. But it's, it's like when there's nothing to ride your bike for, it's hard to do it you know you'll have a glass of wine with your dinner and then a bottle of wine and two bottles and then you've done that for four days on the row and you just like, you know you're in a shell then aren't you so then
1: they email you until you, you get to keep the bike exactly <laughs> great what, what do you make of the situation brad well i think it's the state of cycling i mean it's sort of read that um once pro they're finishing as well um and it's yeah it's just tough tough going at the moment cycling you know it's um Obviously, there's a small, relatively small pot of money for everybody, and uh, it's difficult to find funding for these teams. Everything's getting more and more expensive, and obviously, you know, riders get paid more now, and so they should. But the you know the money that's coming into the sport is still the same as it was ten, twenty, twenty years ago. I mean, these teams like Francis De Jure and that they probably got the same budgets they had ten, fifteen years ago. It's only that Sky are paving the way now with their massive budgets. Teams like Katusha, and. Uh, like most sports, you know, the, those teams like in football with Man City and that, you know, the, the gap becomes bigger and bigger between the smaller teams like Team Wiggins, Aqua Blue, One Pro, you know, it just... Um
0: it's very difficult, you
1: know, as I say.
0: So many people to employ now as well. I mean, back in the day, you've had like two coaches in the team, yeah. maybe, but now you've got like a, a performance director, a guy that's got to look at your wheels or your skews or something. Yeah, and yeah it's, physio. And, you know, it's it's, it's just, just a million more things that you've got to spend Everyone
1: money wants on. a chef now, do not they? And Everyone yeah, wants the team's bus to cook the food in. And, you know, it's just, as I say...
0: It's, Laundry it's, trucks and all that
1: yeah. stuff these days. So
2: if people come to you, Adam? Have they said, hey, come and have a word with us?
0: Uh, no, sadly not. Have you two had a chat? <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, long and short of it is the advent. I mean, there's these days in cycling, so many teams have stopped, you know, CCC have joined with BMC, so long and short of it, no, I've not been contacted. But these days, I can't, you know, unless you're like G or Froome or these guys that are winning big races, you're not going to be really contacted these days. It's a case of, for me, putting myself out there, letting people know I'm on the market and trying to get a team, you know, me and myself, myself and my agent are trying to do that. But it's not... um it's not like you just sit on the end of the phone waiting for a call because it's probably never ring if I did that.
2: Any advice you'd give, Brad? I mean, you know, well, no, I it's think got to it's, keep it's, training. I say it's, it's it? the
1: benefit. The only people that uh, that really benefit in this situation are the team managers, you know, because what that what happens is you get this massive influx of riders at the end of the season that, all, that are without contracts through no fault of their own, but teams that are ending. And they get to pick and they get riders on the cheap um, for a lot cheaper than they would have done had they signed them early in the year. And I think um, so the managers and the teams benefit from those situations. The ones that suffer are the riders, as usual. And it's uh, it's the nature of the sport. It's always been like that. It's quite cutthroat when teams end or the team, the team decides they don't want you anymore. And, you know, you're left to fend on your own, really, to find somewhere new. And it's it's brutal.
2: Well, I wish you all the best, Adam. Thanks, mate. Uh, let's move on to the Vuelta. Uh, now, obviously, you're listening to the podcast. Also, you can watch this on the Eurosport website, the wonderful vodcast we're doing. And, Brad, you've brought something in with you. What a little surprise for you, Adam. <laughs> what have you got? <laughs> no, I just brought...
1: <laughs> this is uh, Felice Giamondi's yellow jersey from the 1968 edition when he won the race. So this was the last jersey he got on the last day... And I was going to just bring a little one in each week just to add a little bit of flavour to the podcast.
2: It's a wonderful garment, isn't it? It's beautiful. its I mean, it, it doesn't look like anything you would wear these days. No, it? and
1: obviously, you know, the, the, it's just got so much character because they would just literally rip a jersey, a team jersey up. Someone would sew that on the night before for the podium and, and that was it as a way. So completely different to what you see now. The pockets red. in the front? Yeah, pockets in the front. A um, collar? What do
0: you make of it, Adam? Modern kit that they had as the team kit—it's like lycra that they've sewed onto the front. But it's
1: great. That's the history cycle. We were talking about the Vuelta last week. I mentioned that you know at one time it used to be two weeks long. So back then it would have been two weeks long. It would have been in April. So it would have been before the Giro d'Italia, and the weather would have been terrible in in Spain in April. You know, and, and it just—it's. I think it, as I said, I said in the podcast last week how much the race has changed. Now we're seeing. We're used to seeing it, it's become. People won't remember it not being in the month of August and September, but 25 years ago it was, it was always in April and you either did the Vuelta and the Tour or the Giro and the Tour or the Vuelta, some of the Spanish guys used to go Vuelta, Giro, La Jareta, famously used to do all three tours in one year, one month after another, so not even the three or four or five weeks in between.
2: It's a thing of beauty. Have a look, as I said, on on the Eurosport website uh, for the beautiful jersey that Brad has brought in. Uh, Let's have a look at the highlights from the past week. Uh, Mikhail Kwiatkowski kept the red jersey until stage five when FDJ's uh, Rudy Mollard got in the break and Sky were happy to let him take the jersey. We saw sprint wins, unsurprisingly for Viviani and more surprisingly perhaps for Nasser Burani. Uh, Valverde won his second stage and 13th victory of the season on Saturday. And on Sunday, one of the hardest stages ending with the 10 kilometer ascent of La Coverture was won by Ben King, with Simon Yates taking red. Let's start with Ben King then. It was his second stage victory, of LaVelta.
1: And a spectacular performance yet again. He's done it once, he's done it again. How many more? Well, we ask ourselves that question, but there's been plenty more that have been demanded of this man today. And he's answered every single one of them, Sean. What a day, what a ride. Benjamin King, he's done it for himself, he's done it for his team, he's done it for Quebec. Oh, look at that. Cool as you like. Oh. King Kong is top of the pile and everyone else has been eaten by the monster.
2: It's been a long time coming for him in a Grand Tour and, and now too. And he, I mean, he almost really paid the price, didn't we? We saw him yeah. after the win uh, up La Coverture yeah. and suffering.
1: I mean, again, you could never have predicted... We couldn't have sat here last Sunday and predicted that someone like Ben King would come along and win two stages. We, we were just guessing, playing guess as to who was in form, who was coming to the world. That's the thing with the World Vuelta is, you know, people target the Giro early season and say in February that they're going to do the Giro people target the tour early season and say they're going to do the tour very rarely someone comes out in January and February and says I'm targeting the Vuelta then so you kind of get this mishmash and, and someone like Ben King who's obviously had a, a great summer's training um, I don't know if he did ride the tour or didn't but I do remember seeing him into a California winning a stage this year and so You know, he's obviously come into this race with incredible form and won two stages in the first week already. Mollard, again, we couldn't have predicted that a week ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Valverde's still there, obviously we discussed that, but... um... And we did talk about Simon Yates. You know, He didn't have the best start a week ago, but he's climbed his way into the race now and he's looking like he's showing
0: some of the form he showed back in May.
2: Yeah, we'll talk more about the the GC battle later on in the podcast. Much needed wins for Dimension Data, Adam, as well. It's been a huge lift for them, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, massively. And I think after the tour, you know, with Cavs' sort of disappointment for the team there, not going so well and taking such a, a sprint train there, they needed this for the team to... You know, step back up, not step back up, but just show that they can still win races and yeah, Ben King's doing a mega job for him.
2: And we've heard dimension data saying his performances are in part due to using Zwift in an enclosed space surrounded by electric fan heaters. Oh, God. And in this hot room they would they could work out his rehydration plan. when you, you were preparing for the Welter brand, did you get the yeah. heaters out? I did, yeah, yeah.
1: So I had a shed in the garden and um, we used to just have heaters and fan heaters from B and Q. try and get it to and and a humidifier so the humidity is quite important as well as the heat so to have it like 35 40 degrees and then the humidity as well and you just simply like you go and do your three four five hours on the road come back and sit in there for an hour hour and 15 minutes no more and you only have to do that two or three times a week and then your body acclimatizes to the heat quite quickly but um you only need a shed from being cute. They've fancied it up with Swift and. <laughs> Were you on the bike in there? All those, this sort or of... just sat in there? No, no, on the turbo. All oh, right. Yeah, so and you can only ride and we... at hundred, hundred fifty watts because as soon as you start putting any effort through, you just you overheat. You know, so it's important. You don't actually have to do that much. Literally, what they used to tell us, the sports scientists, and that you know, just being in a hot environment is enough for your body to to actually get used to the heat.
2: Would you ever go through anything like that, Adam?
0: Oh, I don't, I don't, I'm not the kind of rider that would do that. I can't sit in a shed. I hate the turbo, so I think to sit in that shed for an hour and a half, just pedalling away, I'd just be mind-numbing. I mean, for it me. depends
1: what your goals are, really. If I wasn't doing GC, I wouldn't have done that. We, you know, they they discovered early on when we were going for this GC thing that the, the limiting factors on those climbs, like we saw the finish today, that is the altitude. If the altitude's too high, which you can go and acclimatise to, and the the other biggest limiting factor, especially in the water, is the heat build-up. So your body gets to a certain temperature and then you just can't produce the power anymore because it's like a car, you will overheat, you have to back off. So if you can acclimatise to that heat and get your body used to it, then you will perform better than other people that aren't acclimatised to it. So it's important for the GC, you know, if you're in the group head, it's it's, it's the last thing you're going to actually do because it's an extra stress on the body that you're putting on it that you don't necessarily have to unless it's going to be a limiting factor when you're in the mountains. Did you hate that shed by the end? Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, no, well, hates the wrong word. So I mean, you're doing. You just no, no. no. It. I mean, it's a process. You go through the whole thing. It's like a lifestyle, the mm. GC thing. You live every minute, seven days a week. But this is why year.
0: you're who you are, because you can do that. Like me, then I was just like, yeah. no, can't do it. And that's why you're so successful. No, that's no why... but I think G's learnt to
1: do it, hasn't he? Yeah, because he, he, he's like like your, you can just tell that he's in the mind. He, he's got himself to do that. That's why he won the tour. We spoke yeah. about that in July. You know, 10 years ago, he was fat and everything like everyone else. and Like he's he is now at Tour de France. And, yeah. <laughs> and he, um, but he always had that in him. You know, he saw other people do it. And, you know, he got the right people around him that have sort of directed him to do that. And that's why he's won the Tour. But, it is a, it's, you know, he's, he's lived, he lives the life, you know. And we were talking before he came on air about, you know, it was only a month ago, the Tour, and he's already saying he's out of shape, you know. And it's like, well, how long does it take you to get out of shape after winning a Tour de France? But... The guys they're on such a fine line, they're like well-oiled Formula One cars. So, just to come off it for a bit, there's a four or five percent drop off in performance. Physically, he's probably five percent off away. He was at the tour, which would probably be good enough to win something like the tour. Of Britain if he put his mind to it, but mentally, you're like twenty, twenty-five, thirty percent off. You're already thinking about a holiday in October or. <laughs> You know, just like in, in G's case, I want to go to the Tour of Britain so I can not have a week drinking, something like that, as simple as that. <laughs> but because, yeah, because the reality is you're probably getting the to bad, you know, is, so yeah. it's like, well, I'll look forward to going to the Tour of Britain because at least I'll get a good night's sleep, I'll, I won't drink for a week <laughs> and I'll get back into the rhythm of riding my bike <laughs> because that's the reality when you come off those things. Like he said, he's found it difficult to, to recover. He's been here, there doing things, nights out and all that and, He even said about the thing about the, in the I was reading the piece in the paper today about He got stitched up with the helmet thing that we spoke about last week. (laughs) So I'm glad he admitted it
2: (laughs) because I'd never ever
1: thought that he was going to be that passionate about wearing helmets.
2: (laughs) As you said, everyone wants a piece of of the winner of the Tour de France. Um, Tony Galapan won at a grand tour for the first time in four years on stage seven. The stage criticised for a rough surface on that very technical descent. Simon Yates said the organisers wanted crashes. I mean, it was quite a dramatic. Dissenting. It certainly was a very different surface to the to the one they had been on. Is he right to say that, do you think?
0: I don't reckon he is, Now You can't say their organisers want crashes. They've obviously put it there for entertainment purposes. They knew the race would probably split into bits, and it's probably they've come out perfect scenario. Not perfect that people have crashed, but the crashes have almost made the race, and they brought a winner to it that they probably didn't expect at all. So I think that's probably what they wanted. And But if you're in the bunch and you're trying to stay safe like Simon is and there is a crash and another crash and another crash, there's only one thing to blame, and it is probably the road. So he's probably just done that and then blame the organisers for taking it down there. But it's the same wherever you go. It's it's not just the road. It's the stress of the peloton that does it. It's all the things around that road. You could go down the smoothest road in the world, but if you've got a road that's one metre wide at the end of it, it's probably the most dangerous road in a peloton. Mm. So, yeah, you can't blame him for for being angry and saying it's their fault, but at the same time, it's... You take that situation, put it on a different road; it will probably be the same thing, you know, on the same sur- on a good
2: surface. Um, let's talk about Peter Sagan, who's not is not at his best, is he, at the moment? No, but I think that's why he's here. You know, he recognises that
1: he probably needed this race now just to keep you know back in the rhythm of things. And obviously, you don't know his motivation for doing it. He's, he's already talked himself out of the world championships, um, so. You know, we have to think that obviously he's had a lot of issues in his personal life and maybe this is a nice distraction for him. You know, it's it's an environment that's familiar to him and he can just go there around his mates, ride his bike for three weeks, see what he can do. And again, we spoke about last year, if you end your season at the Tour de France, that's a long, long time before you get into January training camps and things. So it's just a way of extending his season, giving him good fitness going into the winter. He can have a short break after this, whether he decides to go to the Worlds or not. And start his winter in in a better state of fitness than he would have done had he just stopped at the tour after that crash
2: it 's funny that you mentioned uh, G and and having a week of not drinking and Sagan going to do a tour mm. to get away from other things it, it, There is a strange comfort then in, in in being on tour, even though it is a punishing schedule I
0: think it 's always different in it. You hear stories as like stories of people going away to uh, to Qatar when they don 't want to do Qatar and things like that because they want to get away from whatever's happening at home, you know, stressful life and those kind of things, so I guess for a few people, if you are having family problems it's easy to just go, right, I'll go there and do that if you, you, know, if you can call your race programme like that, but yeah I don't know, for me I like being at home and being with my family and stuff like that, but I can see why people would go, right, I'll go away there and it's almost get into a regime because you've got no other choice to do that, whereas if you're at home it's all up to you, but Yeah, Yeah, I I think
1: Peter's situation is probably unique in that, you know, he announced he was getting divorced during the tour and, you know, it's probably coming back home, having crashed, he ended the tour on a bit of a, a sour note. And as I say, if he's not doing the World Championships, it's like, what do you do for the rest of the season? You know, he and... You know the Volta, you're guaranteed nice weather. It's big gruppettos, You know we don't see the time delays like uh, we did in the Tour, where you got guys sprinters riding through the mountains on their own to make the time delay. The Vuelta's pretty relaxed like that. We spoke about that last week. Late starts, you know, kind of nice lines in the morning, not very long transfers, and it is actually just three weeks away on his bike. Which if he wasn't at the Volta, you would have to do it back home and. He's getting paid a lot of money, so he's probably thinking, "Well, for Bora, if I go there, I could ride myself in, win a stage, probably the last chance to wear the world champs jersey if I'm not doing the worlds next month." Do you reckon he's not doing it? Well, that's what I've read, and it's a mount. They reckon it's a mountain. See, it's I reckon. I reckon walls. he's looking at but it. you still wouldn't. You wouldn't count him out of it, would yeah. you? Yeah. So kidology from him, maybe.
2: Sort of maybe,
0: saying, yeah, yeah. I reckon he's looked at Olympics and gone. I could have won that Van Avermaet's done yes. it. And he's looking at this now and going, mm, similar to the yeah. Olympics, there is a chance I can do it. You wouldn't put it past him. And I reckon so. the only reason he's doing Vuelta is for the world. There's no other reason I don't
2: think. Yeah, do yeah. Uh, one thing we've also seen uh, at the Vuelta, we saw a sticky bottle incident right in front of the cameras from Pierre Roland, taking one gel at a time, bottle at a time, and and clearly getting a hand. Um, what, what do you make of incidents like that? It was, it was fairly blatant. <laughs> can't fault him, really. Yeah, I mean, that uh, it happens, does it? the
1: situation, it? It does yeah. happen, and it has happened historically in cycling, you know, for many, many years. Like most things now, like in football, we've got that many cameras and that many things on on you and social media and this and the other, you sort of just don't get away with it anymore. Is it cheating? I don't, you know, I mean, the harsh, you know, that was our harsh, that, of Tom Dumoulin at the Tour and the Muir de Bretagne stage, I mean, he punctured at the worst possible time mm. and... Everyone has used a car to get back. Gilbert won the World sitting behind a motorbike in <laughs> Valkenburg. I mean...
2: We were talking Peter Sagan a moment ago. He he got docked 20 seconds for drafting. Yeah. And we do seem to see it all the time. Why does he get punished? Why did he get punished? Well, I think that's the problem, up? is that
1: it, it's, it seems like it's one rule for one, one for... You can, if Valverde had done it, you can imagine that they wouldn't have docked him time. <laughs> you know that <laughs> it, it tends not. to depend on what country you're in and what nationality you are, and who the commissars are, because the commissars are different in each race. You do get some commissars that are worse than others, and some that are more lenient than others. And
0: it's luck of the draw, really. But I think it, it's it... he was unlucky as so well. It's all on camera. If That's it probably the... weren't on camera, it probably wouldn't be in in the same way. Nibali a
2: few years ago got chucked out of the race. Yeah. Of the same thing. I mean, that was huge, wasn't it? He? he propelled himself hundreds of yeah. metres up the road to doing that. But he wouldn't
1: have been the first that has done that and won a race from it, or the last. He certainly won't be the last. No,
2: when, you, when you're riding in a race and, and you see it happening, do you just accept it? Or, or sometimes you think, oh, hang on a minute, that's, that's not right. Yeah, he's like, so it, eventually you'll do the same thing, even if you're off the back
0: or whatever you're doing, eventually you will do the same thing, so you can't, at the front of the race then, yeah okay, it 's a bit you're taking the piss a bit, but if you 're behind the peloton you 're taking a bottle, or you don 't know you're in the brake and you've gone back, you take one to get back in there. everyone does it it 's just yeah i mean i don 't think there's a
1: bike rider that hasn 't punctured when the race is full on been out the back of the race, mechanic the car comes steaming behind you. They grab your back seat. You hold onto yeah. the window, and they pretend to be fixing your brake <laughs> as you as they accelerate to 100 miles an hour.
2: <laughs> See this, is a problem with free. And you're marks. like, yes,
1: my brakes are rubbing. My brakes are <laughs> rubbing.
2: And I don't think there's a rider that hasn't had that happen to them. How yet. on earth do you train to do that? I mean, that's incredible bike handling skill, isn't it? Well, it's
1: not that. It's not that hard. No, you just got to concentrate, look ahead. You know, <laughs> you might say it's hard. not that hard. And I'm, you're I'm holding onto the car, and you've got the balance off the car, and and yeah, you know, that's. And then as soon as the comma says says, hey, let go of the car and says, Oh you me brake he was fixing a brake. <laughs>
0: See, I can't do that. This brakes, I know.
1: <laughs> <It's got>, <laughs> don't put your hand on the
2: floor. Bloody 3 T bikes. Bloody track bikes. Uh, okay, yeah. we're gonna be back to discuss Simon Yates and the G C battle right after this.
3: Eurosport Player is the only place to watch every minute of the Vuelta live and on demand. Follow every stage of this year's final grand tour with an uninterrupted ad-free stream, the very best expert analysis and commentary and catch-up on all the best action available on demand. Visit EurosportPlayer.com now to sign up.
2: Now, the battle for GC is still very close. Simon Yates attacked on Tuesday and gained time on his rivals and went into red today with a one-second lead. How would you assess his performance? Amazing. I mean, to take that jersey today and, and um, we,
1: we spoke about him last week and how, you know, that maybe that was it for him because he'd started slowly. Um, but he's, he's ridden his way in first week and, you know, to take the jersey and uh, especially after his performance back in May in the Giro, we wondered whether he could replicate that kind of form twice in a year. But... He's done it today on that tough finish, and obviously Alejandro's still there. My tip. Um, <laughs> You've
2: just crowbarred that in. <laughs> so, um, you
1: but you're know, confident, but same what it does do is it makes for a bloody exciting race now going forward. And one second, I mean, it could go either way. You know, as we've seen, Simon. You know, there's the youthful f- guy from the future against the grand old master, and, and is that going to be the GC play out now
0: for the next two weeks? I think it probably will be. I reckon it will because they are similar riders. It's just like the old dog, really, showing him new tricks, yeah. I think. Both see, of them aren't great
1: time trialists,
0: are they? they both ride very clever. You never see them getting the whole team on the front of They're always no. very, like proper bike racers, always know what they're doing, always time their attacks great. So I think for them two, it's a proper bike race. It's not like yeah. the strongest man wins. It's also the cleverest man that will win as well.
2: Valverde, 26 bonus seconds that he's picked up here and there, yeah. which is tremendous. Isn't and it? actually, he's
0: no, probably got a stronger team
1: than being on the Spanish soil as well yeah. with Quintana. We saw him having a dig today. Valverde's probably got the stronger of the two teams. That's probably where Simon you know, and the Giro
2: kind of was exposed a little bit with his lack of teammates at the decisive moments. Do you think it helps Quintana, in a way, all this focus on Valverde? But Quintana, as we saw today, he's, he's still there or thereabouts, yeah, isn't yeah, he? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you just never know with him, do you? you never know what you're going to get. Um <laughs> never know that he's trying either no. way. He's just closed <laughs> mouth. I mean, you know, at 44 years of age, he's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's doing all right, isn't he?
0: <laughs> Young rider jersey last year.
1: <laughs> he's, he's still under 25, isn't yeah, he?
0: No one like actually it. knows how old he is. I think he's, he's like one
1: of them a bit like yeah. Iran. Iran claims to be 24 when he's actually 54.
2: <laughs> Quintana, uh, 14 seconds down, he's in third spot, so... Yeah, well, oh, they, this is it. That, that's the
1: position Movistar star in there. And I spoke about it last week that... There's no rivalry there in some ways. It's like as long as Movistar win on Spanish soil. So they will sacrifice whoever they need to. I mean, secretly in the team card, they'll want Valverde to win and the whole of Spain will probably want Valverde to win. But if they have to use the Quintana card in order to expose Simon... I'm sure they will, and if that means Quintana wins the race, obviously it's two weeks to go. But it's looking like that that's going to be the, the GC battle now.
2: Now for Ports and Nibbly, it shows that it isn't that easy to make the well to the race of redemption, which we spoke no. about last time out. Uh, Richie Ports just simply riding for pride, isn't he? Almost had a training ride in the breakaway earlier in the week, didn't
1: he? Yeah, I said he might actually get back into the race last week. <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to happen now, is it? He's Still tight for the break um, day, wasn't he? <laughs> but no, he signed a new contract, as we said, you know, crashed out the tour. He's, he's in that sort of Peter Sagan boat now. Is he just making sure he sets himself up nicely for the winter
0: back in Oz? And I'm sure he'll hit the ground running with a new team in Tour Down Under mm. like he normally does. So, Yeah, that, that's the only reason I'd say he's there, just for the winter, really. He's not there for another reason. He was in the break the other day, wasn't he? Break of three as well. So he's definitely there for just getting the miles in. I reckon
2: it almost comes back to what you were talking about with Peter Zagan. He's gone there for three One weeks. One thing's for
0: sure, though, he'll be really excited
2: to be there. <laughs>
1: you know, like he's amazed. he's excited. Mountsman speech to go to trek oh, and <laughs>
2: <laughs> But I suppose he, he is getting something out of it in the end, isn't he? By by being there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's his last outing for BMC. He'll probably go to Australia after this. He may do the Worlds if he's in good. If he gets selected, that also might be why he's doing it. Really for yeah. the Worlds. I mean. It's a good thing.
0: It's a He's good not really boring, a one-day so. rider,
1: though, is he, historically. But, no. I mean, he'll, if he gets selected, I mean, the Australian team will be a different composition to what it normally is at the Worlds. You know, they'll be, they've got a good selection of climbers to pick from. And...
2: Uh, let's look at Team Sky. They were happy to relinquish the red jersey. And then Kwiatkowski crashed on that difficult descent of Stage 7 that we spoke about earlier. Lost 27 seconds. What do you make of his and Sky's performance so far?
0: See, I don't reckon he meant to lose it. I don't reckon they gifted someone that jersey. That sky, in my eyes, has never gone okay. This guy can take red, and we'll take a back seat. No, they always not the they... hit. They always go full gas. So I reckon all they've done there is gone. We're we'll giving this much time. Got into it and gone. We haven't got the legs. We can't do it. Because I don't think no way on earth. You'll know more than me. they will have gone. We'll give him a minute. We'll just let him take the jersey yeah, by a minute.
1: I, yeah, I can't. I can't see it. I mean, they they race day by day, and they'll just treat each day as a one day. I don't think they've ever played it too trying to be too clever of let someone take the jersey and we'll take it back at a LA later date. I think that they're quite clever like that, but I think the race just played out that day um, and they lost the jersey. But he's still in the race. I mean, he was still he's still fighting away today. He still, he's sixth overall, something like that. Now, two, yeah, he lost a
0: bit, two minutes down. He yeah.
1: He's yeah, still which isn't a lot in the box. Yeah. Is it two minutes? I mean, yeah. I think
2: it's five <laughs> minutes covering the top twenty yeah. or so. It's yeah. it you know, it's still very much up for granted. You know, a two-minute loss one
1: day can be a two-minute gain the next day and, and vice versa for other people in the GC and all of a sudden, you
2: know, you're back on zero. Mm. 15th, we should say, at, at the moment. Uh, now, in his first Grand Tour, how is Teo Gegenhart performing, in your opinion?
1: I think he's doing all yeah. right, yeah. I think he's been quite good. He's been present, we've seen him on the TV. Obviously, there's been some debate about his descending skills and things, but... <laughs> You know, I think he's not that type of rider. He's the rider for three weeks. He's not someone who takes huge risks. And What's he
2: doing wrong descending, then, that people are, are highlighting? Well, oh, I don't know. I think Adam probably Yeah, I don't...
0: Do, he's not doing anything wrong. It's just like he's going into a peloton. Don't forget this guy's first-year pro. He's all of a sudden coming into a pro peloton like Valverde. How long's he been on a bike? 20 years in a pro peloton, almost. He knows how to go downhill. Tao's been on the bike in this peloton with these guys for... Eight months. He's all of a, he's not just going to click his fingers and be like, right then, Peter Sargon let's see what you've got. You know, he's he's not that kind of rider. He's got to learn, and part of the learning thing is not just all the bits around cycling. It's also how to go downhill fast and all that kind of stuff. How do you so, do that? There's no secret to it. You've got big balls and get on with it, really. But that's the thing. If you've got you can go downhill fast on your own. But if you've got one guy here, one guy there, another guy there, and then you've got another guy in front of you going a bit faster all of a sudden you've got the pressure on you, to go, oh, I've got to keep up with that guy, I've got to keep up with that guy. Yeah. And without even thinking, you just completely messed up your descending because you're overthinking the descent, basically. So
1: And everyone's in a, everyone's got different goals at that position, you know. You've got people like Sagan who's just got the, the weight of the world off his shoulders, <laughs> nothing to lose. I'm going to go down here and just, you know... Show everyone how to yeah. descend. You got GC guys that think, well, I don't need to take that many risks. And obviously, you're going in down like Adam says in a peloton. Someone always wants to go faster than you. You know, someone will come under you into a corner. All those things. And before you know it, you're 20 riders back. Then you're 25 riders back. You break a little bit more. You're 35 riders back. And and you know, you've kind of your head starts to go. Then um, add a bit of wet on wet corners, this, that, and the other into it, and you lose 50 places. And and that happens. But guys that are thinking of three weeks and guys that are just living for the moment on that day. There's
0: a lot of guys as well, you know, a lot of lives might be on the limit. And, like, for me personally, whenever I got to descent, make up as many places as you can, whereas you, you'll have just been like, old position, stay at the front, don't take risks. So you get that in the peloton, and Taylor will just be told, don't take risks. So, you know, as if he's losing a couple of positions on the corners, that's him not taking a risk. And if he's a couple of metres off the back of someone out of a corner, what difference does it matter? It's better than being on the floor and losing five minutes and then being maybe out of the race because of an injury. So he's not doing anything wrong, he's just learning learning the ways I guess.
2: So no great technical secrets as far as you're concerned. You're just not breaking as much as the other yeah, people are. There's, there's
0: no technical some people are better at than others, more confident, but there's no secret to going downhill. You've got to relax and that's it really.
1: You know in a lot of these stages, you know the, the, the terrain you go you go down a 5-6k descent, up a little six-five-five-six 5-6k hill after that. And people will know that. So guys like Sagan or Adam when he's in the race you know, their chance is to they can make that time up on the descent. So get to the front of the peloton, and then as soon as you hit the, other, the climb out of the valley, you've got a bit of sliding space. So by the time you get to the top of that climb, they might be back down the back of the peloton rather than starting at the back yeah. of the peloton and then getting dropped. So it, it, you, you play to your strengths. As I said, back in the Tour de France, you know, the, the sprinters and the calves, Isles, Renshaws, you know, they're the guys that are actually descending faster than the front of the race because that's the only chance they can make time up.
2: Now, Mark Cavendish this week revealed he's been suffering from the Epstein-Barr virus and will miss cycling for the foreseeable future. It's a virus that causes glandular fever, and it's the second time he's been diagnosed with it. Can we look at this now, and that completely accounts for his performances this season, do you think?
1: Yeah, but I wouldn't say he's been... Like horrendous this year. He's been up there, you know. He's the crashes he had as well. I mean, starting back in San Remo and I think yeah. Dubai early in the it's year. Terrible, yeah. I mean, he had some horrific accidents which you know you could have put that form down to because of the build up back from the crashes. But obviously, you know, he, he looked really skinny as well this year, skinnier than I've seen him for a long, long time. He didn't look like his powerful sprinting self and. You know He's obviously struggled in the Tour, and, but he even said himself he had some moments of good form this year. But I think it was just the consistency which perhaps he put down to the, the time lost through the crashes. But at least he knows now. I think he's quite relieved. I spoke to him last week and he's actually quite relieved now that he knows what it is and he can now start looking towards next year.
2: Yes, I suppose it was a worry for him if he's, if he's losing form and he doesn't know why.
1: Well, yeah, I think, you know, Cav puts a lot of pressure on himself and he takes that leadership role importantly. We saw during the week he, you know, thanked his teammates, thanked the staff because he takes it very personal when he doesn't win for everyone around him. You know, he really feels that responsibility. So I think that's where the relief comes from now that it wasn't maybe a physical thing um, because obviously he's not used to not winning much. He always comes out of the season with quite a few victories. So I think to put it down to something, I think gives him, you know, hope for the future. Do you think he'll be
2: back? Then we'll see him back.
0: Yeah, I reckon he will. I think mentally now it's just like a refresh button. I think, you know, like Brad said, he was going he had good points in the season this year. I think with that virus, he's still been able to perform well, just not consistently well. Every now and again, you'd see a moment of like that we all all know him for but I think the main thing for him is just in his head someone's told him you've had this virus since February you can now forget about this season concentrate on next season get better and just go again start again basically so I think for him mentally someone telling him that something has been wrong will be be like a big weight lifted so I think he'll get going and he, if he does everything right which he will he's calf, he'll uh, let the ground running again
2: what is a moment of cavness
0: See daft stages when he goes and wins the Tour by, like, 20 metres or something on his own. And it? it's just, we all know Cav, you watch him on TV and you're like, ah, he looks knackered, he looks knackered. And all of a sudden, doof, he's just, he'll win the bike race with, as the Belgians say, with two fingers in the nose.
2: <laughs> and people love watching him. He's good for cycling, isn't it? We want him to come back.
1: Yeah, well, of course, yeah. I mean, he's he's kind of... 34 next year, Cav. Which you can't. You know, it's hard to get your head around little Cavs. 34, nearly as old as Quintana. <laughs> um, just, <laughs> <Yeah>. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's, um, yeah. I mean, he's you know he's 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 become one of our greatest ever, and you know he's steeped in British cycling history now, and it, you know it's become it was become the norm to see him winning two, three, four, five stages at the Tour every year, and obviously I think this was probably this and last year was the first years he hasn't won a stage in the Tour for a long, long time. So. You know he is coming towards the end of his career, and obviously there, there perhaps are faster sprinters now, as we saw in July, and there's a new generation coming through, which is natural and happens to everyone. But it's certainly not the end of him. He's certainly got another, another couple of big days in him. Uh, uh, win somewhere, maybe that's a reinvention of himself. I don't know. There's you know he's still last he's, last couple of years he's still been up there in the finals of Milan San yeah, Remo yeah, yeah. and stuff, which is a race he could still <coughs> win. And yeah. Andre
2: Greipel is 36. Should point out as well. Yeah, he's so old. All, yeah, he's getting there. Nearly as old as Quintana. <laughs> they're all, they're all, yeah. But no, this is the thing. I mean, they're
1: all, you know, everyone's this that generation is slowly petering out, and we've seen the Gaviras and all these guys coming through now. And it's a, it's the sport's getting faster and faster and changing all the time. And yeah, we saw the first sight, Gronavegan. You know, all these young sprinters, as, yeah. as Cav once was. So.
2: Okay, we'll be back with a preview of this week's route and more after this.
3: Great teams wear great kit. Fuel your passion for the latest cycling gear at the Eurosport shop with thousands of products and discounts on leading brands including Pearl Izumi, POC and Endura. Subscribe to Eurosportshop.com now and get an additional 10% off your first order.
2: Uh, Let's have a quick preview of the key stages coming up in week two. Stage 10 should be one for the sprinters, but 11 has a challenging finale with a 2K climb at 7.5%, a descent, then a false flat finish. On Friday, we hit the mountains for three days, Stage 13 has a summit finish at La Camperona, the last two kilometres averaging 15%. Stage 14 features a climb up the Sierra de Peña Mayor, which has four kilometres at an average of 12.5%. And stage 15 finishes with 12K at 7%, which sounds fun, doesn't it, both of you? Oh, You remind me of my bloody...
0: Nicky Sorensen, my sports director, then. He's, like, in your ear saying, in the next five kilometres, got this, that, and the other. And the next turn, you got five, six. There's a lot of... loss lost you off to stage 11 there. Yeah, I lost but, you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on there.
1: It's a lot going on, but... It's I suppose... much like the first week, really. <laughs> <Yeah>. Just <laughs> with different names
2: of la <laughs> this and la that. <laughs> <laughs> that gives us an insight, then, into how your are Focus on a race, I suppose. That you're just breaking it down into each day. Aren't you? You're not going. What's to come for the next seven or eight? No, I stages. mean you,
1: you get a book uh, at the start of the tour like you know, um, it's like a bible in it. It's yeah, massive. on a on a on a ring binder, you know, and you can you can. It's it's thick when to begin with, and as each stage goes on, you rip each page out off the ring binder, so the book gets thinner and thinner <laughs> during the race. Because otherwise, <laughs> you just sit looking at this thing in its hot entirety, trying to get your head round what you know, you've
0: got to do. Yeah, it's
1: you know. Early stages of my career, doing the giro's and stuff. The same thing. You're looking through, actually thinking, right? Well, if I climb off here, there's an airport not far away. But if I climb <laughs> off the day after, I've got 300k to make my way back to the airport. So you just you constantly. Which
0: giro is that? 2003 that? Yeah. and five and eight. Where was Amsterdam? That was 11, wasn't it? That or was 10. Uh, 10. 10. 10. 10 was Amsterdam, yeah. I remember that. that was my first, I was around the Neopro, and that's when Sky, that's when you had Pink, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. We're in North Holland, I remember this. Like, It was yesterday, we're going in these dykes, and it was all splitting up and everything, and Sky were like doing the Sky thing like that. And you just heard in the radio, Sky have crashed. Wiggins is yeah, the down. whole team crashed. The whole Sky team have crashed. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. It was like the race done through, wasn't it? Have you done the Volta? Yeah, last year. Yeah, You did the Volta yeah, last career. year. Yeah. yeah, quite a different race to the Giro. Mental, isn't it? yeah. Yeah, well, is just like it's it's not a holiday race, but it's just very everyone's just like let's ah, chill out today, sort <laughs> yeah. of thing. Holiday race. Whereas like Giro is so it's like the first Grand Tour of the year, so it's all like everyone just wants to do well in it. And like you say, everyone's got a target. Yeah. Normally Giro or Tour, no one ever targets the Vuelta apart from. But this Aru. second
1: week, they'll 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 go into this rest there. They'll all be. Pleased of it. You know, they'll all go out for a nice ride tomorrow in the sun somewhere. <clears throat> but they'd have felt like they'd done three weeks already. Because every day's like just, you know, something to contend with, even those so-called sprint stages. And the second week, you know, by the time you get to the end of the second week and the last rest of it, it feels like you've been away for six weeks. You know, it just it feels <laughs> a longer race than any other because there's no pattern to it. And I think, like, this week, they'll, they'll, they'd will they'll they have looked at it, but I think they won't be thinking about it. They'll just take it each day as a time. And a lot of people are going to be very, very tired now as well. We've seen that by the like the way Ben King could ride off the front today and the, the change around the GC daily. And it's just the second week, you, the, the Gruppetto will get bigger and bigger each day and they tend to stick together a lot more than the Tour mm. de France. So you'll get 80 guys in a gruppetto and oh, there's a mental, lot more yeah. camaraderie than the Tour de France where it's every man for himself to make the time delay. So... It does start to get a lot more relaxed, the second part of the field. The GC battle hots up, but guys stick together a lot more. There is a lot more of a, a family atmosphere at the Vuelta.
0: Yeah, there is. I was Last year when I did it, there was one day and there was like 85 guys in Gruppetto, which is like two-thirds of the Peloton, that had just sat up 50k ago and gone, nope, not doing this <laughs> Which anymore. is quite different to the yeah, Tour, it's... where we saw Cav on his own,
1: Renshaw on his own, all scrapping to try and make the time delay. Whereas the is, you know, everyone, they can't eliminate 85 guys. So as long as they all stick together, they know they'll
2: be let back in. Adam, you said about being told information in the air and, and it was slightly setting you on edge when I read those <laughs> numbers. Were you someone that liked to to be told what was to come or you just like to be left on your own? Yeah,
0: but it, like, if you're telling us what's next, you're like, OK, that's next. And then you say, oh, what's after that sort of thing? And in the race, I hate it when you get a director and you go, right, guys, in 5K you've got this. And after that right-hand turn, you've got this for 4K. And then after that, you've got 3K of cobbles. And then you go up a hill and over the top of that, you're like... Oh, what did you say again? <laughs> it's just like you need quick, like, the next 5K, the next 3K, the next 2K. But everyone's getting that information. So then what
1: we're talking about with the descents with Teo, everyone starts, you know, so
0: it's constant.
1: So you've got you're, you're, someone like Teo will be trying to do his job for Kwiatowski, but all the guys that know they're going to get dropped up these climbs think, right, well, i better get to the front here because then at least i have got a bit of sliding space. Yeah. So when we go up the climb, when we go over the top, I'll be at the back of the peloton because if they start at the back, they'll get dropped and then they'll be in the convoy. So they're all doing that on the sense and that just makes someone like Tao's job a lot harder. Because in your head, in Tao's, it's like, what are these bloody choppers doing? These sprinters, you know, they've they, the got way, nothing yeah. to be here for today. Why are you up here? You know, waving your willy on this descent. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's what it's like, and it gets frustrating for some people. And then you'll hit the climb, and they'll go back. It's like they've chucked the anchor out, and they'll just go right. But they're they're trying to Come get through again, the day yeah. as well because they they you know they they they've got another hundred k
0: to do. They don't want to get dropped on this climb. These days are a lot harder for sprinters and the groupetto than they are for the GC guys. You know, Taylor might have got today, and he, all he had to do was get to the last. I don't know if it's 20k climb, the last 10k, job done. Like groupetto, if it was uphill today, they'd have had to like from the start not get dropped for the next 30k. Which, okay, you pro athletes, you shouldn't be getting dropped, but reality is there will be a big groupetto probably after 30k. So for them to get through that
2: day nightmare is there ever a chance for a frank exchange of views when people are passing you and you think what are you doing well, I my think there's
1: frustrations yeah I mean you obviously <sighs> wouldn't do it with Peter Sagan because he's Peter Sagan he gets away with it but um, as I said to you in the um, when we were talking back in in July, there's, there's annoying riders in the peloton. I think I think it might have been on here or somewhere else. So they asked me as one of them used to be a guy called Grivko, Andre Grivko, who just seemed you know intent on pissing he got everyone smacked off. Smacked
0: by a Kittle, didn't yeah, he? Then yeah, then they had a fight yeah. one day. But you know
1: people do that, and I think you know someone like Buhani will make the <clears> most of it and tend to like not really care about anyone else. And so there are some riders that command more respect, but show a bit more respect. I think there is a way of doing it an etiquette of kind of you know realizing that they're trying to get through the stage as well but the GC battle when those teams are riding you know they get very protective of this is our position what are you doing here get back mm. you know we've just spent two days fighting with you on the flat for sprint stages you know get out of here now so it gets
0: a bit uh, sure. It's when you're trying hard as well. There's nothing worse than you know, like riding in a line. You've got nothing to be at the front for, and someone will come up to you and just try and like move in on you. He's like, mate, what are you doing? Like, piss off! You uh, don't need to be here. We've got 100k to go. Are you going to stay next to me for 100k? No. And will you get tell them off. that at the time, or do you I mean, almost yeah. stare at them or? You know. Who it.
1: Is I think. Yeah, I think. I think yeah. the thing
0: is, you don't get an idiot doing, you it. Never get... doing it. You wouldn't tell doing it, but he wouldn't do it, would he? No. No, you wouldn't, but... you just get wits doing it, basically. It's just someone coming up saying, guys, stay near the front, and you get some half. There is a snobbery and... in the peloton, you
1: know. I think that's, yeah. If it's a first-year professional, you don't mind telling him what... I I had it to myself. I wrote about it in this new book called coming out. Cipollini did it to me and going, well, game. game. <laughs> so, you know... Tell I, this story. This is going yeah. No, no, so uh, we were with game, game in 2001, or I think it was 2001, and he was world champion at the time. Um <laughs> No, he wasn't world. it was the year he won the world, so it's 2002. And uh, I was doing a job for Jackie Duran and Frederick Gedon and all those guys, so I was going up the outside uh, before the crosswinds and stuff, thinking they were all on my will. <laughs> they, they at some point they'd failed to tell me that we're not, you know. <laughs> uh, a bit like walking through the perfume section, selfridges with your wife, and they just go off somewhere. Yeah. And uh, I went, um, yeah, so I ended up riding up beside Aqua Sapone in Chipoli on my own. Like an idiot, like just sort of, and, and Cipollini looked at me and just went, "Chiff, Kiff," like, what's this French guy doing in Italian, you know, basically? I think he thought I was French, you know. So, so yeah. you knew what he was trying to get across to you? No, he just he made me feel about that small and I just dwindled
0: back. <laughs> The problem That's is, the is, is the you don't on. get these people like Cipollini anymore. It'd be great if he was around, because then you'd piss off back. But nowadays, yeah. if someone says if someone says anything to you, the whole fight starts. Because if, I don't know, if Teo's there and he says get lost to someone, if they've been pro for four years, right, who are you saying piss off to? You know, I'm, I've am i been here longer than you, so yeah, it's a lot.
1: And we saw in the tour, you know, frustrations, like with Moscron and all that. It just gets... Yeah,
2: it's always, always simmering, always. is it?
1: The Peloton? At times. And I think it only simmers when actually it's hard and everyone's tired. That's when it's the worst, I think. Yeah. People just got short fuses. They're like, oh, come on, not again. We're trying to. The brake's gone. What are you doing? Why are you attacking? You know, we're trying to shut the road down yeah. now and someone wants to be in the brake and then it starts again and everyone's like.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it just. Do <In> <laughs> you know what you said about the radio thing and like if it's dangerous or not? That goes back to Simon saying today about the road yesterday. The road's being crap. It's just the same thing. Every director saying to every race every race radio, just going, guys get to the front, it's dangerous, it's dangerous. That's where that stress and the danger mm-hmm. comes from, not through the road surface. That road could have been, as I said, perfectly tarmac and it would still be in the same.
2: Let's end with a quick look at the Tour of Britain, Stage 1. As we discussed last week, it's a race that's becoming more and more appealing to riders, featuring some of the biggest names, including Julian Alaphilippe, racing in Britain for only the second time. Stage 1 was from Pembray Country Park to Newport, and was won by Andre Greipel. Gaviria seemed to get his timing wrong, and and that led to Greipel taking the stage. I think the highlight of the day was Gabs Culloch
1: finishing fourth from Team Wiggins, development team. (laughs) Um, Obviously, I think that team, more than any team on this race, has a bigger purpose because we're feeding the youngsters into the professional ranks and giving them the opportunity to race against the winners of the Tour de France um, and the Giro d'Italia this year. So Gabs Culloch, fantastic ride today. Uh, young rider, you know him He's from your neck of the woods. Yeah, he? he is. Yeah, good He's got lad. Big, he is, yeah, uh, talent for the future. Big but... engine, yeah. And so, for him to be in in the company of Tour de France, stage
2: and Gaviria, Gripo, I mean, it was, a, it was quite a scout, really. It's yeah, a huge learning curve for, for people riding the Tour of Britain, which you said last week, Brad, is almost like a two week stage, uh, two week race because of the amount that, that's crammed into it. Well, it's got it. harder and harder and harder every year, oh, it's and
1: ridiculous. it's become. The choice now more so than the Vuelta for the preparation for the Worlds, Um, it's it's just it's it's brutal, (laughs) and where they take it, and it's got a bit of everything in it, and it you know the racing's flat out from start to finish. The crowds are great, and it's just
2: become a brilliant race. Adam, you pulled a bit of a face when we were talking about the route. I mean, is is it as brutal as as it sounds? Last time I did it
0: was when you did it. You ended up running up a hill.
2: I did run. Yeah. I was the last man
0: up. Yeah, That's my sponsor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it is hard. It's just ridiculous. Like They've announced the routes, and it's not Tour of Britain. You do more travelling yeah. than you do actually racing. Like this year, there's the second-to-last day, finishing in Mansfield, and then the next day is in London. So by the time all that comes around, you've done all these dead-hard stages that are not like... It's not like the Tour where they're controlled, and it was like, OK, we've got a hard day coming tomorrow, the bunch will take it easy. It it's just flipping full gas every day, which is good, but... It's
1: good if you're motivated and you're fit and you're ready for it, and you've got a good team that can run the front. Because otherwise, it's just lined out and it's it's tough. You know, the the British roads. You realise how how tough they are mm. when you're out on, on little lanes. And so, it's yeah. the travelling that's almost taking it out of. Yeah, you. the nature of the race, the way it's funded. They have to go to certain parts of the country, certain regions that fund that part, that stage, that particular stage. So it means a lot of travelling, but. It means the whole country get to see the likes of yeah. Chris and G and, you know, it's not confined to one area. So it's, it's great for race, for cycling in this country and, uh, you
2: know, it really is a lap of honour for them. How annoying is it as a rider to spend that much time in a car and not on your bike?
0: Well, this is a different thing, isn't it? Because if you're in team's car, you've got a luxurious bus to sit on. If you're in a little, like, Team GB, I did it with them, and you've just got a van. I had my car. own camper team Wiggins. Oh, exactly. My own yeah. camper, <laughs> my own driver. Not anyone else in it. I remember Dool telling me about this. You're not coming in. <laughs> no, it's it's so different. Like Team Sky and the big World Tour teams, they have buses to sit on, chill out, and like Team GB, Brad with his own camper. You just got you just got a car to sit in with five other yeah. lads. So it's you know if Team GB have got five lads in a car like that for five hours, or you've got. You know, G um, like laying down in the back having a beer of this sky bus. It's completely different. Isn't you it? need
2: to get a shed and build a car inside it and practice in You've there. Got a spare one. The Loads
0: of eaters in it.
2: <laughs> uh, now, uh, Garin Thomas, by his own admission, isn't in great shape. Doesn't expect to win. So, who are your favourites for the Tour of British Don't know about the Tour of Britain. I mean, it's just you just never know. Uh,
1: it could be someone we've never heard of. I mean, it could be. Yeah, I'd re- it's, it's always know. someone
0: that's like a punchy rider that can climb. Someone like Philippe. I know he's doing it, he's a good shout, but mm. like Brad says, it's pff, something might happen, might be a crash on a little lane somewhere and that'll be it. We've
1: well, got a young lad, Mark Donovan, who's in the break today. I mean, he's uh, just been up there in the Tour de l'Avenir, he's had a great baby Giro this year, and you wouldn't put it past him being on the podium. Some are like him anyway, that's sort of a surprise. One of the townfield lads, you just never know with them yeah. two. It's, he could win the time trial and end up... I mean, the class he's shown this year. I mean, you just you just never know.
2: Is it a race Andy that... Tennant? I mean, you
1: never put it past Andy Tennant to maybe win
2: the race. Is it a race that can unearth a, a new superstar? Do you think? Is that the class of yeah, field that I we're getting out so. at the Tour of Britain? Yeah, Dylan Van
1: yeah.
0: Baal did it a few years ago. You know, he kind of surprised everyone and won the race. I think it's sh- everyone there's now. It shows the, like the class of the field, and people want to go and race there. So if you can get a result there, and especially GC. <laughs> It's not like you go into a race where, oh, he's done this race, it's a small race, he's won, he's all right. It's like, no, he's, he's doing well if you can beat these guys, you know. So it's like Gabs today, coming fourth against those guys, that is like Gaviria, Tour Stages, Caleb Buen, one of the best in the world, Greipel, he's won everything, hasn't he? So it just shows his class and, you know, that result for him, it's not a win, but it probably is his best yes, result it's, it's all as good as, you yeah. know. Yeah, when
2: you list those three names. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. And you just see, for him, that picture of him... You know, in with those
1: three guys, that's
2: above his bed now. He's been loving it already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's all from this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, Brad. Thank you, Adam. Thank, thank you. Uh, this has been a Muddy Knees Media production for Eurosport. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.
3: Visit Eurosport.com and the Eurosport app for an unrivaled welter experience. Watch live, uninterrupted video streams of the entire race with a host of extra features. There's up-to-the-minute live blogging and analysis from Felix Lowe and in-depth breakdowns of the biggest stages and how the race was won. Plus, comprehensive news, race clips and the best of Eurosport's live coverage. Eurosport.com is the only place you need to be throughout the Vuelta.